You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 323 and 324 of Fed by Ravens. We are becoming more and more enamored with the scriptures yes, on yes. day 324 than we could have imagined on day 34, you know? Uh-huh. And this is not the first time we've read through the book. No. And that's what's so amazing about the scriptures is that it is, there used to be this phrase, it's shallow enough for children to, to wade in and deep enough for elephants to bathe in. I just kind of made it so it rhymed right now. I don't know if that's the actual phrase, but huh. it sounds... Legit. Sounds, sounds legit. Either way, the sentiment is 100% true. We testify to that. And we're glad you're with us. Let's jump into our OT. Our Old Testament reading for today is Ezekiel chapter 36 through 38. My new favorite chapters of the Bible. I've picked, <laughs> I've cherry picked, I've cherry picked from these chapters in the past, admittedly. As a uh, preacher, there's a lot of great lines in here, mm-hmm. but the buildup, the story, it is way more powerful having started in Genesis and worked our way here. Yes. Uh, we'll just remind you from some of the early, early episodes that the earth is a major character uh-huh. in the story of God. It's the earth, it's humanity, and it's God among his creation. Surprise, God is an environmentalist. He's the original environmentalist because he created it out of nothing by his word, and then he continues to cleanse it and care for it, even in its gross adultery, murder, and vile corruption. Okay, so to put it in some a little bit of context here. Let's do it. Uh, we just came out, last episode we dealt with chapter 35, which is a prophecy against Mount Seir, mm-hmm. which is Edom, because right after they got plundered, right after they got sent into exile, uh, Edom started making plans to take Judah and Jerusalem over. They mm-hmm. were going to take the land. Hey, the land's empty. Let's take it. And God is like, I'm prophesying against your mountain, and your mountain is going to be a mountain of waste and desolation. And then in chapter 36, he says, okay, now Ezekiel, I need you to prophesy to the mountains of Judah and Israel. And I need you to tell these mountains that unlike the Mount Mount Seir, they will be purified and cleansed. So he tells the prophet, preach to the earth. Yes. Because the earth is a major player. It's a creation of God for God. And he said, this is good. And he's Mm -hmm. not just going to walk away and watch it and be like, that was a nice experiment. God is intricately involved in creation. His eyes on the sparrow. So here's to break down 36, 37, these four chapters we're covering today. Yeah. Um, I see God doing what always has to be done when you're doing a good job at something. So, like, for instance, take any of the many projects we've done around the church. Uh-huh. Let's just take uh, the, f- the floors. Yeah. We wanted to repaint floors. Yes, we did. We just put, oh, we just make it a cool concrete floor. Mm-hmm. So we go out, we try to do it. But upon investigation, we realize, oh, we have to 
scrub down the floors. Mm -hmm. So we're like, cool, we'll rent this machine, scrub down the floors. <laughs> the first machine didn't work. We needed a diamond scraper or something, mm -hmm. okay? So then we're scraping by hand. We're scraping with this diamond thing. At one point, we've rented three or four machines, and all we've done is create dust, a dust storm. There's a picture of Matt. Yes. It looks like he's on the moon <laughs> or something. <laughs> the point is... Here's here's how it there's went. so much dust. It looks like you're seeing a shadow of me. Yes. Yeah. And there's like a light coming from somewhere that's yes. breaking through an otherwise warehouse full of dust. The point is, what we've learned since that project is every project done right requires a time of investigation, mm -hmm. figuring it out, uh, doing something, realizing you got to keep doing it until the floor is clean and ready for this paint. We discovered we finally got it to a place, but we couldn't do exactly what we wanted. So then we adjusted. And then it was like a month later where we actually put down the stuff we liked. And then we right. learned all sorts of lessons there. And and the point is, I see what I see God doing here is um, what he's already promised through Isaiah and through uh, Jeremiah. But now the people are actually in exile. Right. And now they can hear it in a way, I think. At least I heard it now. It's a much better gospel. Right. But but here's here's his plan. Sorry, that's what I wanted to say. Yeah, okay. His plan was, you got to clean the earth. Mm -hmm. The earth now is full of death. And so first you preach to the earth, and you declare God's against the death here, mm -hmm. and he's for the life here. Right. Then he's going to go to... Uh, He's going to take care of all the death in the land, preach to it. Then he's going to take care of, in 37, his people. Yes. you got to prepare your people. The death that's in the people. The death that's in the people. Overwhelm that. Then he's going to preach to all the nations and clear out all the death that's in the surrounding nations mm -hmm. because you can't just clean it out and move in because all the same nations are around and they'll do the same thing they've always done. It's not rocket science. Just raid and pollute the land again. But it's not rocket science, but it is a giant sigh. Like, ah, can't we just move in? Well, no, you got to fumigate the place. Right. Then in 38, and I think I read 39. Yes. Um, oh, sorry, it is 39. In 39, then he starts to talk about once the land is clean, the surrounding nations are clean. My people are clean from the inside out. Then I will bring them in from all nations. And there's some great prophecies yeah. there about, then I will do the thing that has eluded us since Solomon. I'll unite all of mm -hmm. God's people with new hearts in a land. Like then it'll be ready and you can finish the project. But that's how all projects go. God is a master farmer. He's a master craftsman. And so what we're reading here is, a beautiful hope to people in exile. Right. All, Who are, now they know that Jerusalem has been conquered. Yes. They know the, the hope of rescue and instant restoration to the land has now died. This is all, you, like you have no hope. The law has fully been received. No hope, nothing. Now when people are in a hopeless situation, they tend to hear the gospel better. Yes. Like, oh, wow, really? There's a chance for me? There's a chance. Right. And you can hear it, at least. Mm -hmm. The hardest thing for humans is to have things going well and look to the Lord for all hope. <laughs> yes. That is our one of our major issues. with uh, When we say sinfulness of man, we, we're talking about this condition to be opposed to God. Yeah. And especially when things are good. Yeah, so like hearing like, hey... There's a cure for cancer. 
mm-hmm. is less exciting when you don't know that you have cancer. You're like, neat. Oh, that's so good. I'm glad for that. Oh, cool. But when a loved one or you suffer from cancer, yes. you are putting all your hope in that and you are driving to whatever appointment you need mm-hmm. and you're paying whatever money because life is precious and you need the Lord. You need this cure. So God has said this, said similar things through these chapters, through other prophets in times of great success. And it's like in their times of great success, they're hearing, hey, there's a cure for cancer, but they're going, oh, cool. I, why is that useful? Yeah. Uh, we don't need. We don't have cancer. We're not, yeah. We're hey, safe. you'll be restored to the land. Uh, we're not out of the land. Why does that matter? They're like, I don't smoke, so why would mm. I get cancer? Yeah, so before it didn't, it didn't really land with the people, but now it could land with the people because they are outside of the land and desperately want to get back in. Yes, and they're going to be wiped out. Yeah, so one of the other cool things, like just diving into chapter 36, is he's talking to the ancient high places mm-hmm. of the land, mm-hmm. which previously, the reason, one of the big reasons they were exiled is because on every mountaintop, they would create idolatrous altars to other gods, and they polluted the land with their altars. And now he's talking to the land saying, I know you were misused and abused, and uh, we're going to clean those places now. We're going to stop that idolatry. Mm-hmm. We're going to keep the nations from coming in and polluting you. And we're going to restore you. Right. And 36 especially, it's just the land. And you, you hear this in Paul. Paul talks about in Romans 8, the creation waits eagerly for the adoption of sons. Oh, like, yeah. So this is all tying into the creation itself is waiting and it being cleansed. And the land of God and Ju- uh, Jerusalem mm-hmm. and the surrounding area has been cleansed. That's the other theme through these chapters. There's like, he's going to deal with sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, instead of, he, he does at one point have this thing about the uh, menstrual impurity. And I finally connected it because I'm like, yeah. what does that have to do with anything? But he's saying it's in concern for his holy name. So God's thing is like, I could wipe this out, but my name, I put my name on you. You're mm-hmm. my kids. And instead of menstrual blood, which is, okay, dirty, whatever, you could take it that way, but you start to see what he's saying is instead of like a fruitless labor, Mm -hmm. you will produce children that carry my name. Mm -hmm. Like the menstruation process is not something in the ancient world that I'm sure women most of the time were sad when that happened because they're hoping to be pregnant. Yeah, so he, he, in, in the, in 36, he ties that to idolatrous worship which only produces death. Like, when you're on your cycle, death is only being produced. But the Lord is the Lord of creation. He's like, no, no, no. We're going to move past that. We're going to clean you, and we're going to move into a cycle of creation. And you are going to give birth and have children, and you are going to achieve the purpose that I created you, which is to be fruitful and multiply. Exactly. And so he's like, you'll no longer bereave them of children, he says, Mm -hmm. to the surrounding nations and to the land. And then in 36, he talks about his spirit, which is so beautiful. I mean, over and over again, he's going to clean us, mm-hmm. cleanse us from our sin, and put his spirit in us. Yeah. He's going to gather us and prepare us and bless the people. And he keeps saying over and over again that they may know the Lord, mm-hmm. they may know my name. I mean, Jesus says this. Well, he also says, I love this. He continually says, uh, I am going to restore you, not because of anything you have done. 
I'm not restoring you because you guys are so great or anything else, but because I am who I am. Yes. Because I have put my name on you. I have said that I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to make you my people. So that's why I'm restoring you. The only reason you're being restored is because I'm working. You do nothing. Well, he says, thus says the Lord, on this day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited and the waste places shall be rebuilt. And the land that was desolate shall be tilled instead of being a desolation that it was in the sight of all who passed by. And they will say, this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. Mm -hmm. It's pretty beautiful. And so uh, that's 36. I highly recommend, I had to read this, I read this chapter about three times because it's so rich. That's the narrative. We're not Mm -hmm. getting into every theological detail. There are many, but we have much more to go. So 37 then deals explicitly with the sickness in the people of Israel. Okay, so I've, I never connected this before. The Valley of Dry Bones. The Valley of Dry Bones. I've, I've heard about this. There's songs about it. There's, it's a pretty epic chapter. Yes. Um, but so it says, The Lord was upon me, the Spirit of the Lord, the breath of the Lord was in me, mm-hmm. and he took me to the place of the valley or the plain, and it's in reference to the first time he saw the cherubim. Yes. In the plain that he saw the cherubim, which is outside of the land, in exile. So I'm recognizing, oh, the Valley of Dry Bones is in the land of exile. Mm. It's the people in the exile. Place, yeah. So that's what he's talking about. So then the vision he gets mm-hmm. is they're just dead, dry bones. Mm-hmm. So everything's dried up. You know, when your yard hasn't rained for a long time and it's all dying, the people of Israel are dead and bones just scattered around this valley. Now, as a pastor, I rejoice greatly in this because it can be confusing in our culture what the role of a pastor is. Coffee time. Um, and the role of a pastor, it, it's you get pulled in a lot of directions mm-hmm. right, to help people do this. But here's primarily our role. He says, prophesy over these dry bones. Mm. Speak my word to these bones. And as he speaks... The, the bones rattle. Mm-hmm. They are reassembled into people. It even mentions the sinews and the flesh. Mm-hmm. Like people are brought back to life by the word being preached, the word of God through Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. Then they're not complete yet because what are they lacking? The breath. The breath of life. Mm-hmm. The, the breathing into the nostrils, right? Like God did for man in the garden. And now the idea is I'm putting my spirit into them, mm-hmm. my breath. And that's the ancient word, ruach, is mm-hmm. the Hebrew for uh, the spirit of God, which yes. in the Greek is pneuma. You think of a pneumatic gun, pst, 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 fill with air, um, or tools that are run by air. So he fills, through the preaching, he brings you back to life and fills you with his spirit. And now you're going to be a, an army. A great army is coming mm-hmm. out of this, essentially a graveyard. By the right. preaching of God's word and the filling of his Holy Spirit, and um, you once said, our hope is lost, and we're cut off. But now you are prophesying to them, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from the graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you, and you shall mm-hmm. live. Yeah. Keep, no, no, no. Keep going. Oh, and, and I will place you in your own land. Hear all the characters. Mm-hmm. Then you shall know. That I am the Lord, I have spoken, and I will do it. So I, I just think it's the gospel. As I was reading this, I before when I've read this, I've never placed it as 
speaking to the people that are out, dead outside of the land. Yeah. They're cut off outside of the land of the living or the land of promise. They're being assimilated to the people of death. And so God reassembles them outside of the land and then brings them back in. Well, that's so the thing. Cool. He's gathering. And then the the long... And then right after this, yeah. it's like, this is almost more exciting. It's yeah. easily missed if you're following the story. Because you think, whoa, the vision of dry bones is cool. But what's even more exciting is he says, take two sticks. Right. Write the name of... Uh, Judah on one. And then it's funny. He, he, he puts... Uh, Joseph. Joseph for Israel. So Israel and Judah, he says, mm-hmm. and hold those sticks together. Because I, not one of the many kings over mm-hmm. the last five, seven, eight hundred years, but me, I will now make you one people. Right. This is the thing they've been waiting for. Right. And when when Israel was wiped out by Assyria, that dream was over. You know? And so yes. and even in Jesus' day, there's still all this like confusion. Confusion and racism towards Samaria. Like the Judah was still blaming Assyria. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, Ezekiel said, I'm bringing you together. Well, what could bring us together? Jesus Christ. My servant, David. My servant, David. My shepherd, mm-hmm. who's going to... And then you just see Jesus, like, not just fulfilling these things, like, in a um, mechanical way, like, oh, I'm supposed to do this, check, check. Yeah. But, like, his very heart is, oh, my sheep are scattered. Yeah. And I'm bringing them all together. And I'm going to do the thing that none of the other kings could. And there's a line in John, I have to go back and find it, where he's like, like, you want to know what salvation is? It's to know the Lord mm-hmm. and be known by him. Like, that's what God keeps saying. Then all the nations will know, the land will know, you will know, because my spirit will be in you, and you'll be united to me. And this mm-hmm. is the importance of the Lord's Supper. But there is one theme, too, that I don't want to miss. It's cleansing, cleansing, cleansing. I will cleanse you. I will wash you. You walk through the waters mm-hmm. of the Red Sea. You walk through the waters of the Jordan into, and now there's new waters that are cleansing the earth like the flood, and you're crossing over new waters and it's the Holy Spirit cleansing and washing you. And we know that as baptism. There's yeah. this baptism into mm-hmm. the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yeah, and I, I just love how clear the theme is that God is doing all the work here. Yeah. Like in um, 37, uh, 20, verse 23, but I will save them from all the backslidings, or I will save them from all the dwellings in which they have sinned, and will cleanse them, and they shall be my people. So this again, this idea that, look, you guys are in this state of sin. You're corrupted. Right. You cannot save yourselves. There's nothing you can do to save yourselves. I'm going to do that for you. I will cleanse you. I will even cleanse the places that you've sinned in, and I will restore you completely to me. That is my heart. The end of 37, it, it, I just have to read it, because he's like, I will make, he's talking about my servant David. Mm-hmm. My prince will be your prince forever. How? Right. Well, Jesus is going to live forever and be in the line of David, and it shall be an everlasting covenant of peace, and I will set them in their land and multiply them and will set my sanctuary. Again, he tabernacles among us mm-hmm. in their midst forevermore. My dwelling place shall be with them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forever. Mm-hmm. So the confusion, oh, we need to rebuild the temple? No, no, no. He's no. made it clear there's a, a David who will be your prince forever. Yes. Well, the final act in this section is Oof. dealing with then all the nations are uh, not going to receive God's salvation, but 
the other side of salvation. See, we're comforted, mm-hmm. and those who cannot humble themselves before God will be judged. Yeah, so 38 and 39, it's dealing with uh, the prince of prince named Gog and the uh, nation of Magog. Now, these are... Uh, this is like a fictional city. This is a which is important to know, like metaphorical. The, yes, place. The, these represent things because they are brought up in Revelation, mm-hmm. and then if you try to figure out things like in a a literal sense a, here, a literal sense. Remember, these are vi- these are visions from God to tell the people, and so it's not always to be taken literally in the sense of where's Gog? Who's Gog today? Right. What's the, it's like so, no, no, these represent the enmity that is always surrounding God's people. So it is important to know that there is no, like, historical evidence of a Gog and ruling over a nation called Magog. Uh, These are the, what, metaphorical example of all the enemies of God and his people. Yeah, who wield the sword Mm -hmm. of destruction. Now places like Persia, Cush, put, they're all within, like... Yes. you, You put your surrounding nations in the category of Gog and Magog. And so the nations that are listed, that are identifiable, are um, from the north. Right. And so they are all northern nations, which at this point, if, you, if you've been listening or reading, you should know that all of the judgment and of God's people has come from the north. Yeah. Like, they have all, all the nations from the north have always come and conquered his people. And so now he's going... He's just lumping them all in as all these people who have only wanted destruction and judgment and vengeance upon my people. I'm lumping them all together. I'm calling them to arms. I'm asking them. I'm calling them, commanding them, gather up an army, come against my people. I know you're planning to destroy everyone, and I'm gathering you all into this valley. And and they cannot imagine the people of God. I mean, to them, the people of God are kind of dumb, mm-hmm. no no protection, right. not soldiers, not warriors, so it's easy pickings. Yes. Which is kind of like what Christians look like to the world today. Yes. Like, you guys, fine, you live your way to mm-hmm. your own failure. But in this, the two great pictures I like, mm-hmm. God says, he's going to give us victory Yes. to the point where we'll be, uh, the people of God in the land will be using all the weapons for seven months as firewood. No, seven years. Oh, seven years. Yeah, yeah right, the weapons right. will That's be right. seven years right. of firewood. So seven. the Lord says, I'm going to destroy all of them. I will yeah. gather up all the enemies in one place, and I will annihilate them all. I yeah. will. Because that's what you do. Like, for us, the best example is, like, pest control. You have mm-hmm. a nice home. You have things in it. Mm-hmm. Everything's established. The kids are safe and happy and healthy. You put up a security system. And for me, what's which takes priority over a burglar is uh, making sure there's no roaches in my house right. for my marriage sake. Right. And that's what God's saying here. And to the point where there's seven years of firewood, but then it's like seven years of... Seven months. Seven of, months. That's the seven months of yeah. burying... The bodies. The bodies. Like you'll, and these will be road markers for the rest of the nations. Like, oh, God protects this people. He protects this land. And we're more dangerous than ever now because we have a spirit of God in us. Yeah, so 38, 39, there are these undated prophecy of one day there's going to be a future where God is going to annihilate all the enemies of his people, spiritual, physical enemies. 
they are all going to be gathered up, annihilated, and then the pe- God's people's job will be plunder the resources and cleanse the land by burying all the bodies. And set up a yeah, set up a border because it's going to be great. Uh, there is an interesting thing about the beasts and the speaking to the birds of yes. the air, and you think about when Jesus says in 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 Matthew or Luke when it's like where. At the end time, where are people going? He goes, people will be taken away where um, the vultures the gather, Vultures gather, which is a reference to this idea. Yes. And so he, he's like, he calls the birds of the land. He's like, come and uh, feast. I'm creating yeah. a giant sacrifice for you guys to feast and get your fill. And I just saw some turkey buzzards yesterday. They love it when they find a dead mm-hmm. rodent or something. But... Uh, so just realize the earth is ours. Mm-hmm. God's not trying to get us to escape and go to some weird heavenly place. It's right. like he has loves the earth. He's created it for us. We, the meek, inherit the earth. Mm-hmm. So if there's a taking away, it's to death to a valley where birds will feast on you. Yes. And Jesus says this much in Luke. Um, yeah. So it ends with... The Lord will restore Israel. And again, it's such beautiful language about they shall forget their shame and all the treachery. Like it's the it's basically speaking of a time that we live in now where I can go every morning and go, God, forgive me for the mm-hmm. things I've done and I've neglected to do. And he cleanses me and I meet with God in the name of Jesus Christ and I am cleansed. Mm-hmm. And then I'm full of the spirit. They shall know that I am the Lord their God because I sent them into exile and then assemble them into their own land. I will leave none of them remaining among the nations anymore. I will not hide my face anymore from them when I pour out my spirit upon the house of Israel, declares the Lord. That's why Pentecost is a huge deal. And uh, yeah. and I think at the end of this, it's like, man, we have, no matter what you're going through, the gospel, uh, acknowledge your sin, acknowledge that God is in control, but acknowledge that God's doing more than you can imagine. He's not just saying, I'm going to comfort you. I'll let go of you. You don't have to... I don't know. People will be like, why doesn't God just fix everything? Oh, he is. Mm -hmm. But the fix is much bigger than... You can't just put in a new floor. Right. You got to do demo work and you got to clean and you got to... You know, there's a lot to it and God is on it. And that's the hope for us today. No matter what you're going through, God is on it and he's faithful and he's given you his spirit. Oh, we could keep going, but thank you, Ezekiel. Yeah. Our New Testament reading for today is James chapter 3 through chapter 4. We can get through this these chapters fairly quickly today. I think so. The first idea is uh, is the tongue. Not many of you should become teachers because <laughs> if you're teaching something wrong, you're going to have to pay for it. Right. And so you better be sure you're going to be judged with greater strictness. So if I tell you it's okay to go somewhere where it says no trespassing... You'll be in trouble, but so will I. Yeah, I think this also follows with Ezekiel's thing about the watchman. Mm -hmm. And so again, it's this idea of like God God chooses his uh, pastors, his preachers, um, and And it's on them. And he's like, he's saying like, look, I will give you my word and your job is just to announce my word. And I need... And I'm choosing you for that purpose. Right. And for those who try to announce my word in their own strength or adapt my word to the times, uh, judgment will, like, there's judgment on that. Yeah. And 
Well, and he'll even say it. Uh, God opposes the proud and gives yeah. grace to the humble. Right. And so in a position of teaching, and we, like we're using our mouths right now, mm-hmm. it's we have to be humble and receive what God says, regardless of what the trend is or if it's popular or not popular. And for that reason, I think God gives, I realize, he's giving us faith. Mm-hmm. We have to believe it in good times and bad times. So he says... Again, James is really just laying down law for people who are pretty familiar with the Old Testament story. And the way we're seeing it is James is, and these authors, the apostles, he's not an apostle, but the early authors are really nervous about don't fall into the same trap that Israel and Judah fell into. Mm-hmm. And you see that working out in church in a couple different ways. One way is by slander and gossip and mm-hmm. and talking um opposing God. So it's like, God says, give, but why would I give? They're wasting the money or they're doing this. And you start questioning people. You start questioning God. And I think that's the, there's a big thing about, um, who has the ultimate authority, right? Is it me or is it God? Do I decide what's best for me or does God decide what's best for me? That's the cancer. Okay. So we all have a, we're calling sin cancer Mm because it seems easier to understand. It's not a choice. Like you're choosing to sin. You'll get to that. But you're born in sin. Mm-hmm. So like right. you have a sickness. And right. the sickness, James says, is your tongue can start a fire. Like we can control every beast. We can control major ships with a small rudder, but we cannot control our tongue. Right. And so it's not a matter of when I say something stupid or mean or false. It's when I do, I most definitely will because I'm human. Mm-hmm. Lord, and put yourself in a position to be like, God, forgive me for saying that. And especially when we... We so naturally and easily judge others and curse others. Like mm-hmm. we imagine we know their motives. And even if we're right, good right. job. You're in line with uh, with the devil. Because all the devil does is accuse us of what we deserve. And so James is saying, watch out for the tongue. Not, not try to speak better and put it on us. But he's yeah. like, just know this is a reality. So therefore you cry out to God and say, God, remake my tongue so that I might praise God, uplift my brother and sister and speak truth. Yeah. So I've always read this and tried to apply it as, oh, I need to tame my tongue. I need to master it. Yeah. But reading it again and being aligned with the scripture, it's very clear. No, what James is saying is you cannot. Right. You cannot master your own tongue. You can master a lot of things, but that's one thing that you can't, because the sickness is in us so deep that we can do nothing other than say, Lord, save me, please. And here's how you know when it's happening. It's, it's like when you're out of breath or your ankle hurts. Something's mm-hmm. wrong with my ankle. It says, my brother's blessing and cursing should not come out of the same mouth. All right. And so when you're cursing someone else or you're obsessed with some harm they did you, that is a sign to you of your sickness, mm-hmm. and you need to take your meds, which is repentance and faith right. that God will forgive you, and that God can handle the wrong done to you. Yes. And uh, then that moves into chapter four, because he's comparing worldliness, mm-hmm. friendship with the world. And long story short there, is, so friendship with the world is enmity against God. So in other words, it's, it's uh, wisdom that comes from the world, and if we shortcut it, it's basically what is the world all about? Mm-hmm. What drives all their wisdom? Well, they're devoted to wealth and selfish ambition. Yeah. That's it. So if you are aligning yourself with the world and aligning yourself with selfish ambition and uh, an accumulation of wealth, mm-hmm. because that gives you a sense of security and control, 
that is not the life that God has called you to. And so just know that's not uh, wisdom from above because wisdom from above is, and there's a whole list of, it says wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Right. So we start to align ourselves. That's the end of three, actually. Yeah, that's okay. We ask God for the wisdom from above um, because he breaks down. This is what is the source of all your quarrels and all your fights. It's that you have passions and they war it within you because you want stuff. Mm -hmm. You want control. And then that gives birth to uh, things like murder. And for murder, we murder people by destroying them with our words. Yeah. We try to take away opportunities and ruin their life by spreading lies or damning them because we say they're no longer a fit human to be around. They don't deserve anything. So we murder people with our words and we covet what they have. And this affects what we ask from God. This is the friendship thing. And so we start to find ourselves aligned with the world more than with, with God because we're acting like the devil. And so the only way out of it yes. is is to say, is to ask God for the right things, which is humility. Yes. Okay. So I get so tempted, like, uh -huh. while reading this, to be like, okay, so this is what you have to do. All right. Yeah. You have to be more like this. Da 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 da. And, like, you instantly feel like, okay, um, I, I need to clean myself. And it does say that. It says, like, cleanse your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double minded, be wretched and mourn and weep. And you're like, okay, okay, I gotta... So I can't be happy? I can't be happy. I gotta cleanse myself. But this... But he finally gets to it. He finally just says, this is what we need to do. This is all we need to do. It's not try harder. It's humble yourselves before the Lord. That's it. And he will exalt you. That's the verse that has been hitting me for several years now. Is I usually... I use it in my prayers. God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And I ask God, give me your... I need your grace... And, how, and you access this by the end of chapter 4 where he's like, your life is a breath. Right. Like, you don't boast about what you're going to do and boast about mm -hmm. tomorrow. You don't know anything. Mm -hmm. And so you can engage humility by going, everything I have is a gift. Mm -hmm. My pride says, oh, I need to save someone. I mm -hmm. need to become something big or I need to be successful. It's like, but God gives grace to the humble. And so the mm -hmm. only chance of controlling your mouth, of controlling your judgment on others of knowing, controlling your passions is by giving control to God, by yes. humbly saying, Thank you. Yes. God, I can't do it. Right. I, left on my own, I will always use others mm -hmm. for my own gain. Forgive me. And he gives grace. Right. And that is where um, the arrogance and the boasting starts to break down and you start to be at rest because the Lord is, is now uh, changing your tongue. He'll change your heart. He'll change those things. Yes. But I do think James is saying, uh, he's like, look, man, if we're going to reject God's way, we're committing spiritual adultery. Yes. And we're back in exile. Yes. Spiritual exile right now. Mm -hmm. And so uh, your life is a breath. I even think that's the breath of God. Your mm -hmm. life is the spirit of God. Yeah. It is a gift. And Everything. So the most wi the wisest thing you can do every day as a Christian is wake up and say, thank you, Lord. Have mercy on me, Lord. Forgive mm -hmm. me. And then say, I am trusting in the work of Jesus Christ. Will you make my tongue something life-giving and not destroying? Will you make my uh, allegiance instead of to the world and what it's after to you? 
And he's faithful and just to forgive you and to lead you into this new life. It is a lot better. All right. Our psalm for today is Psalm 129. Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. Let Israel now say, Greatly they have afflicted me from my youth. Yet they have not prevailed against me. The plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. The Lord is righteous. He has cut the cords of the wicked. May all who hate Zion be put to shame and turned backward. Let them be like the grass on the housetops, which withers before it grows, with which the reaper does not fill his hand, nor the binder of sheaves his arm. Nor do those who pass by say, The blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless in the name of the Lord. Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We will talk to you next time.